0: Hollywood! Plays! Deborah! Action! Hollywood
1: Drew! CD Lamb still running! Hits the corner! CD! For the TD! People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented them. Uh, welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, we were doing a, an interview uh, podcast today. Joined with me, Alan Kenny from. Uh, at Blatant Homerism on Twitter. Uh, you're right for the Crimson Cream Machine currently. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's where most of my stuff is. I've done some stuff for Athlon also and uh, you know, a few occasional guest guest spots in different places. So if you guys don't know
1: Alan, he's been covering OU football for a pretty good while now and from a from a blog perspective and a podcast perspective. I mean, what really got you diving into just OU football and wanting to have your voice heard about it?
0: Wow, that's a that's a great question. I guess I had uh, free time and a lot of uh, you know uh, self regard. I guess that people would actually want to hear what I had to say about all this. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I think I started writing around the 2008 season, mm-hmm. um, and you know, blogging then was really in its infancy. Um, there were you know uh you know i kind of looked around and saw a lot of opportunity in it you know i never i've never really made (laughs) particularly good money or anything doing this but um you know it was just uh it was it was just kind of a hobby and i i kind of wanted to also take it from more of a um i don't know you know it's funny i call i called my site bleeding homerism but Mm -hmm. um the comments that i get a lot of times are more like you know you're not very homerish at all. Like I try to avoid getting into a lot of trash talk type (laughs) stuff. I just, you know, to me, that part's just not interesting. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I try to kind of look at it more from, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess a higher level or maybe applying kind of more uh, rigorous, maybe uh, analytical lenses Mm -hmm. to college football and the ecosystem around it.
1: Yeah, when I, I was before we started recording, I was mentioned, that's how I try to view anything in life, really, but especially college football, you know, you just take off the high and take off the low. And it's more than likely somewhere in the middle in there. Um, I mean, if you've if you guys have read any of my writing, or if you've seen any stuff on the stuff there, I try to, it's a little more narrative based, I try not to get too deep into the numbers and stuff like that. I typically find that to be mind numbing to a certain degree after mm-hmm. a certain point in time, Here's like, great bunch of numbers what does any of this mean right Um, but it is a point there to where it's like we'll just calm down OU's not going to have 10 first round draft picks on its roster like once it starts people you know Twitter first but at the same time I get baited into some of that stuff on Twitter and stuff Texas fans or Iowa State fans and you're just like, just think realistically about what yeah. you're saying, not How every single not? positive thing is going to happen for right. your team and every negative thing is going to happen for you, it's not going to work out that
0: way. <laughs> right, you know, and it kind of comes in, there's, there's something about this where people want you to make these predictions or explain like come up with these the one solution for you know what's going to fix different things or you know kind of come up with some type of uh you know paradigm for different things. And a lot of times i mean it's just i don't know what's going to happen you know what i mean like yeah. you need to get good players to win football games you probably need to spend a lot of money you know i mean go from there
1: yeah i mean i i think we both follow and interact with uh, bill conley probably on a, a greater thing there and he even always says all the time, he's like, I have no idea why SP plus is telling me what it's saying.
0: Right. <laughs> it's like, exactly. I don't agree just, with it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, you, you get a certain you can k- rely on it to produce a certain level of uh, predictive, you know, ability or projections, And, you know, you kind of just have to have to roll with it. Right.
1: So I brought you on to kind of talk about OU football just this season. It's been a topsy-turvy ride to a certain degree, obviously, something that hasn't happened Uh, at least for the Oklahoma football program in 20 plus years before I I wouldn't consider the Bob hire this level of thing because it wasn't as shocking so I guess really the the shocking stuff would be Barry Switzer's exit from the program at that point in time so it's been 30 close to 40 years now of, um, of OU basically being a consistent product, even in the 90s, they were just consistently bad. Uh, <laughs> so, they were, OU's nothing but consistent when it comes to that. Um, what's your kind of take on the 2020, uh, the 2021 season? What, how is this going to be remembered in your mind?
0: Oh gosh, um, it's kind of funny. 10 years earlier, that would have been 2011, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you came into that season. Uh, I believe is the preseason number one, in the country or number two, you know, uh, I mean, it's similar to, uh, for example, like Phil Steele, you remember, yeah. I think had OU's yep. number one that year. Um, and, you know, there were, there were good wins early and then all of a sudden kind of the bottom fell out, you know, yeah. and internally, I think what you saw with that team was that there were some issues, um, you know, and, uh, you know kind of you know uh players on the team that you know maybe had kind of in in a certain sense kind of checked out uh and so down the stretch they just this the spark wasn't there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's how i felt watching this team um you know it's funny we mentioned earlier uh about numbers you know and and that that being mind-numbing but you know, OU was kind of a team where the numbers started saying relatively early on, like, this team is underperforming, this team yeah. is not, but but they kept winning, and winning is really the ultimate metric, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but then down the stretch, I, I mean, I think we saw that this, I don't, I put a lot of the problems on how this team was managed um, from start to finish, and uh, I, I mean, to me, I won't look at it as a case where the players fell down on the job. I look at it as a place where, uh, you know, the executives that were in charge did.
1: Yeah, I mean, watching the entire season unfold, it was a a very boring season. I'm fine with things being disappointing. Um, I think it was 2013. I'm very bad at remembering what seasons happened. The the mm-hmm. Bob Stoops where we had the three quarterbacks. All, yeah that was 2013 yeah that one was a disappointing season but it was at least fun <laughs> you know, Yeah, like, yeah it was overperforming. Man. yeah quarterbacks coming in and out you had no idea what was going to happen this season just felt just like a, a funeral march to a certain degree of just like let's just get through this and it just wasn't fun to watch at all especially as an OU fan it just and also trying to find ways to develop content about this and being added on to this this podcast mm-hmm. it just it was like just a grind to my sports soul to a certain degree and just like screaming at top of my lungs thinking, how did the O-line get so bad so fast? How did, why are none of these receivers getting open? Why is, why does every defense seem to know exactly what Lincoln Riley is going to do as he's doing it? And then, you know, the USC happened and mm-hmm. more reports start coming out and you kind of start thinking, was this just him throwing one sp- one pitch the entire season and not really giving it his all. And you got, I hope not as a professional, I hope he, you know, coached it through the way it was supposed to, but it does kind of feel like you said, maybe it's just on the executive level that they're just hearts weren't into it at all. I mean, do you think that has any credence or anything?
0: Yeah. I mean, look at some of the small things. Okay. Clock management, um, yeah. <laughs> special teams. I mean, There were times where, you know, OU got burned on special teams by things that just anyone who's watched football for, you know, any short amount of time should have been able to anticipate a fake punt an onside kick, um, you know, not kicking deep to the best kick returner in the big 12 when you're, when you got a two score lead with a few minutes left in the game. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, there was that level of attention to detail. And, you know, I mean, me watching it there were there were parts of it early on that i could rationalize you know for example i mean oh you was super thin at the running back position so it made yeah. sense early in the year if riley was ignoring the running game to keep those guys fresh and you know you could say okay well then they like you know they deployed that then against like texas for example it made sense they i mean they they went went nuts there but there was, it just wasn't, it was just off. Like it, one, one person I remember hit me up who, you know, has some contacts within the program and and they just said, this would have been, you know, around late October and just said, like, people just keep saying like, you know, Riley's distracted. He's been distracted mm-hmm. all year. And that's how the team played. You know what I mean? Every game was like, let's go out there and uh, survive this and we'll move on. And, it worked until it didn't right
1: yeah i mean that's why i kept rationalizing it too i was thinking you know just survive in advance survive in advance just win
0: hmm.
1: you, you're being under for a lot of different reasons and i think oh the oh the, I, i'm going to have a um i'm recording an interview next friday whenever this gets posted sorry listeners mm-hmm. your, your your dates are going to be all off <laughs> but later this week i'm i'm having an interview with the uh, richard billingsley uh, from hugo oklahoma he was one of the bcs uh, mm-hmm. computer guys i hadn't i remember vaguely seeing his name around 2008 right. when it had the three-way tie and everything and some controversy him being from oklahoma and yeah i, I oh, just yeah. had no idea that i was born and raised in the same town as a, a BCS, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: computer guy so i'll talk to him just about rankings and i've seen through his rankings and he had ou as high as number two the week before baylor like whatever Numbers he was looking at had OU very high. I think, obviously, the committee and stuff for watching the games mm-hmm. and saying this team just doesn't have the pop. There's something right. missing. Um, it could be team composition. I've been pretty critical about Lincoln Riley and, and wide receiver recruiting. They all looked great on paper, but who was yeah. CD Lamb? Who was Hollywood Brown? If, who was – OU right. didn't have that guy to a certain degree on the roster. And, like you said, I mean – it could have just been stuff on the edges calling kind of falling down and the things that you mentioned those are like in-game decision making like yeah yeah right that's a fake punt you should know that's coming up yeah but some of the other stuff to me it seemed more structure based like why did we keep fair catching inside the five you know stuff like that it's like yeah someone someone told him to do that
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah over exactly.
1: and over yeah. and over it's like yeah what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're potentially giving up 20 yards
0: yeah and what one thing i always say too though is like this whole idea about like trying to survive every week, like that's an NFL mentality, right? Like, you know, where the talent's pretty even maybe one team has a better quarterback, you know, but you're trying to get through college football. If you want to, if you want to win at the highest levels is always and forever about kicking ass. It is Mm -hmm. about you going out there and dominating. I mean, part of the reason that Alabama has been so good for so long is they overwhelm you from the very beginning with how good they are at every single position, doing everything. They don't let up. They don't, they don't, Alabama doesn't play to survive. I mean, they play to go out there and win every single play. And, you know, I, I hate when that becomes like a standard for your team or that's all you'll accept because a, it's not realistic and B it's not fun, (laughs) but Like that, that would is, that should have been like a tell for this team. The fact that they're, they just were not, I, I don't like the word killer instinct. I think that all that stuff starts from the very jump. You mm-hmm. can just get up on the phone and you don't let go. Like those are the teams that really end up being successful long-term.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's something just thinking about this season. And I, I've, I've mentioned that statement you just said on this podcast and in writing uh, again i've been listening to you for a while the idea it because i've mentioned a tom herman thing where he always tried to get yeah. to the edge and like i'll just win my three it's like that's not how you play college football college football you roll out you put your best players in the best positions to succeed and you kick ass you know i, I right I, too I, many watch, too many
0: with kids like this too many opportunities for mistakes if you're trying to play that small yeah. margin you know
1: and i'll watch um some nfl i'm not the huge nfl fan but there was some discourse online about Devontae Adams as a green Bay Packers. And there's like, well, his, his stats. I mean, if you see what they're doing, they're, they're scheming him wide open so much. And then he's acting in and it's kind of, like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you get the ball in your best <laughs> yeah. player's hand in the best position possible? <laughs> and that's like right. what Alabama does. And that's what these big time mm-hmm. talent heavy schools do. And it seemed like Lincoln just, didn't have it this year or wasn't, like I said, was distracted. Obviously, if he had agents talking to different schools from September or so, he was distracted. There's no way of saying that. He can say he didn't physically talk to somebody, but the stuff's there. (laughs) I'm sure it was waiting for his signature and that was it. Uh, But it did seem like this team, and I've always had a huge concern about that Flink Lincoln Riley, where all of a sudden he'd throw out a bunch of trash plays because Mm -hmm. he was trying to set something up like right you don't need to set it up just run off tackle (laughs) you
0: know right what are you doing i remember like one at one point in the season i was talking actually with michael felder he's um at in the bleachers he's the stadium you know talking Mm -hmm. about about with him about this and he's like yeah i mean you can literally see that moment where riley switches from coaching to win to workshopping you know what i mean And, and looking at different and and i always and and People who are observing that dialogue, the number of them that were like, "Okay, now actually, everything about (laughs) O'U's program for the last four or five years actually makes a lot more sense to me," you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean,
1: you could see that. Yeah, I mean, the third quarter uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) became the workshop quarter to a certain degree. Right Get into trouble, then say, "Okay, let's let's get this figured out," you know. That you know, he potentially wasted his only chance of winning a national championship in 2017, kind of messing around at that point in time. Uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've come to terms with that. I'm a Spurs fan. So there's one thing I've won in my lifetime, sports lifetime. I've seen them win five championships, right. But the 2013 season of them losing the Ray Allen shot, pop pulling Duncan out for the final rebound. I was heartbroken. I was like, he's they're about the trios when they're out to the sunset, they were defeated. (laughs) They're out (laughs) on their sword. And then they had the next season and totally just, you know, erased. It, it, It becomes part of the journey now. I've mm-hmm. kind of come to terms with that, with that Rose Bowl game. Now I can just watch it and say, that was just a great college football game, just the swings and everything. Yeah. But that third quarter where he stopped riding
0: mm-hmm.
1: Rodney Anderson, <laughs> it, was just, it was just, it seemed like he just got bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good and game. it happens. Do you think maybe thinking about that mindset that maybe that's kind of a little bit why Lincoln was so hot to get out of town? I mean, he's going to be going to USC to LA to where, this is a complete blank slate it's not the Bob Soup structure it's not the program it is a if we're gonna be honest with you usc's 40-year history has had a five years of success (laughs) under one coach yeah he's got pretty much a blank slate that he can build whatever he wants
0: i mean do you think there's some of that attractions there too oh how could there not be right like i mean anybody with an ego who looks at that and thinks okay i've got to change i mean USC is one of those blue-bloodish type programs, despite uh, the fact that they've really kind of underachieved, I think, historically, right? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the opportunity to be the guy who kind of resurrects that whole thing right now, thats that's got to be, you know, appealing. But there's also other stuff. I mean, uh, you know, the amount of money he's going to make, having access to a private jet, being in Southern California year round. Yes, I mean, yes, look, yes. like, you know... I, when it, people got so angry about Riley wanting to leave, about Riley leaving, like, man, I don't know how you couldn't get it, like, on an intellectual level, you know? What I oh, mean? for sure. Like, right, so, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think what you're, being, is, like, there is that opportunity to make something your own that he was never going to have at OU, and oh. that, you know, I can completely understand.
1: Yeah, if you would have left for LSU, I think I would have been a little more I don't try to speak for Oklahoma fandom maybe if he would have left for LSU I think it would have been a he can win a national championship there fairly quickly the talents there no matter how bad they are they always get a top 10 class top five class a lot of times it's just right there for him right he just needs to watch out the moment he loses three games (laughs) you know if he can't beat um Saban or something like that he needs to watch out um and there's a lot of national discourse of OU such a great job, OU is very secure, they're very stable. And I've always kind of pushed back against that. If you're not a good coach, OU gets rid of you pretty quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't hang
1: around says, well let's let's this bad coach here for 5 years. I mean, the thing it's is they a just fail, don't fast make bad kind of place. hires. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um so everyone's like, "Oh, well, it's such good job security." Good job security if you're a good coach.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: No place is going to hold. USC had better job security. They held on with Clay Helton forever. (laughs) You could tell immediately Mm -hmm. he wasn't wasn't the guy. But going there, if he went have to LSU, I could have like, I think Oklahoma fans could have rationalized it in their head saying, you know what, the talent's not quite there. The defense isn't turning the way as fast as we wanted to. But when it became USC and you look at the football program, it's hard to rationalize that beyond just LA's way cooler than Norman. And I think that just bothered I mean, on a, like and on a spiritual level, a lot right. of people in Oklahoma, obviously.
0: Well, I mean, football is. I mean, I you know I've written this a couple times in different ways, but like, football matters. Oklahoma football matters to the state a lot, right? It matters yeah. to the people who are from the area. Uh, I mean, you know, myself, I didn't even go to school at OU. I ended up going uh, to Villanova, um, but. Like I've followed OU religiously since I was mm-hmm. a, a little kid. I mean, like, you know, it it matters so much here. And it feels like such an afterthought to, you know, people in California just from the outside. And, you know, I I I always push back this idea that Pac-12 fans suck. I mean, whatever, man. There are gonna be plenty of fans there who really care. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's a, I mean, it, you know, it's it's just kind of a. I mean, it's this kind of thing where it 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 just hurts a little to like be like, this guy didn't, uh, w- wasn't in. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm probably not explaining that very well, but it, it, I can understand why, it being USC, would irk a lot of OU fans.
1: Yeah, and there was some parallel. I mean, I'm a Spurs fan, so I, I took very great delight when Kevin Durant left. <laughs> there was <laughs> uh, there, there was some obviously parallels going west and everything right. like that that whole leaving of we've spent so much time cultivating you you were a child basically and mm-hmm. you know you were raised here and you're supposed to do great things and right. then they you know kind of shirk that quote-unquote responsibility right. you know as as fans kind of see
0: yeah and and you know what and it's the same thing with your aunt like you understand you know what if he says i want to go play for the warriors I, this sounds like fun i want to go live in the bay blah blah you know i mean all that stuff yeah it all makes sense you know what i mean i think i think the one thing gosh and i don't mean to hijack this i think the (laughs) one thing that bothered me more about riley was like okay you're gonna leave that's fine
1: cool yep that's what you get
0: and like but you know in forget me as a fan even though and and fans out there even though we invest time and money and energy and and OU football you know helping i mean we are part of you we are part of the program as a fan it's just Mm what college football is the idea though that like i mean he had players out there who are still out there trying to win big 12 championships trying to make the playoff trying to improve their lives through their nfl draft stock uh you know forget about me as a fan what about those guys man like and you're out there you know you're you're coaching with the foot out the door, those dudes didn't stop trying to play for you. Like, even though you might not care anymore, like that was more than any of it. That was the thing that really bothered me the most was like these, you've built yourself who you into, who you are based on these guys who are out there sacrificing and playing for you. And like, you just treated this season, which is important to them. Mm -hmm. Like it just didn't matter. That that was the part I could not get past.
1: Yeah, that's that's the stuff too where it kind of makes me think, hey, m- maybe OU long term dodge the bullet to a certain degree, you know, was able to if this is the, the kind of and again, I I hate the idea of like saying like hey, this person's ethics or their morality or right. something like that. But when you're talking about these things, it's you you it's hard not to kind of Un- unconsciously, unbiasedly, paint somebody as you know the bad guy. He's wearing the black hat, everything. Mm-hmm. But as you see that, you think, well, maybe OU did miss it. You know, maybe OU was able to dodge this bullet in this way. And then you start looking at winning the like, historical winning percentages, everything, and, and yeah. it's kind of like, well, technically, he's the highest winning percentage coach OU's ever had. <laughs> like, right? that's going yeah, exactly. to yeah. suck to lose. I mean, I think. Uh, I think Bud had a 90% that was that's if you only did <laughs> yeah. if you only did conference, if you did mm-hmm. everybody, his was down to 84%. Lincoln's was a little over 85% with everybody. So um it but it all that comes with context too. The big probe was down historically during this time. I mean, if any team wins the conference six years in a row, the conference is down. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. OU wasn't obviously winning national championships at that time.
0: Right. Just offsided. You know, yeah. uh
1: yeah. It just was very top heavy. I mean, same as the Clemson comparison, I think is their their ceiling was obviously higher going to national championships and winning them. Um, but man, I forgot what I was going to say. But I visited. I mean, I've been out to L.A. and San Diego and uh, the Pacific Northwest and stuff. You, you're talking about the fans. It's really easy to forget anything else exists. <laughs>
0: yeah, walk, yeah. Just walk
1: outside you're like it's 69 degrees there's no yeah exactly it's perfect let's just go to the beach you know yeah you just, exactly or if you're in the seattle area like let's go for a hike let's go do anything other than stare at a tv or sit next to 60,000 people all mm-hmm. screaming about an offsides call you know yeah exactly <laughs> it, it's so much easier just to do literally anything else in oklahoma i love oklahoma i'm from the most oklahoma part of oklahoma (laughs) Uh, it's just there's less to do from that perspective obviously and there is a collective togetherness i think just Mm. about what all this stuff is yeah exactly Um, i mean obviously my area i I love talking like the keegan and and the, the brady and some of the other guys on the podcast where i'm like you guys really think this area of the state's like behind the the pines or something like that they don't even i have to explain to them like show my hand is like this is where durant is down yeah. here like it's, <laughs> did you guys not learn where the full what the shape of the state is <laughs> everyone knows where Hochatown or broken bullet is so i can always kind of base off of that yeah uh, but it's it's just kind of the mentality of him leaving and everything um it also reminded me of that Bullsby comment i think he said the big 12 was psychologically disadvantaged Mm-hmm. At one point in time. And I think a lot of OU fans were kind of feeling that way once they were pulling the knife out of their back, like, oh no, we're screwed now. We're about to become Nebraska. We're
0: <laughs> we're <Yeah>.
1: done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's but it's always kind of forgetting that. I think, you know, you've had the B- 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 on, and I've always kind of remember that. It's that want to that guts of the program. I mean, OU can mm-hmm. can win nine games on its own if you're a good coach you get them to 11 12 wins right <laughs> OU you can take care of itself um but it's always to me it's OU fandom and i talked to um uh Joseph Goodman junior who writes for uh, al.com covers yes. auburn and alabama and i was asking him like how do you guys perceive OU he's like yeah you guys are pretty good i think you've won a lot of heisman's as you know, my mind of like, I know every Heisman, Auburn's one. I know all the <laughs> Alabama's won, yeah. So it always feels like, Oh, just like on its fingers are on the ledge to mm-hmm. a certain degree, especially with recruiting of how it's going. Alabama, Georgia, uh, uh, Ohio state significantly separating themselves from the rest of the pack to the point where I don't think anyone can catch up to them. <laughs> yeah. With um, that, I mean, they're like 20 points, 20 percentage points clear of anybody else. To, right. in the bcr that that's just yeah. that's that's tough business at yeah. that point in time but enough about riley enough about um how do you feel i will say this last one i think this is just pettiness how do you feel about that the the tebow acronym one i think oh. it's, i think it's extremely childish <laughs> but <laughs> it's, if people want to be petty
0: they can be yeah petty. i mean you know what man like uh, I mean, I, yeah, it's penny. it's not the kind of thing that I ever get into like maybe maybe twenty years ago or something, you know, but uh, <laughs> no nah, man uh you know I mean people are gonna be mad, and that's just how it's gonna be. I mean yeah. he'll never he'll never get the same type of adulation or respect, I think for what he did um as maybe as he would deserve, uh but he just it's not gonna happen, yeah. Uh, so
1: n- let's move on to the transition. We have mm-hmm. Brent Venables coming back. We have basically, if you've looked at uh, an OU football program, you may be on the coaching staff. Um, <laughs> he's bringing everyone in. I can, I don't know how I truly feel about that right now. So so close to everything, I have my concerns with the idea of just we're we're protecting the brand. We're protecting the house. You know, protecting the home everyone you know they're ringing the dinner bell everyone has to come in that there's a bad storm coming we have to you know bunker down um but how do you feel about that transition going from lincoln riley to brent and that that i think you you even talked about feeling like a fan again to a certain degree kind of getting
2: into that and being moved a little bit about brent's homecoming walk me through where you are with that through the keyhole is brought to you by uptown anytime fitness that is anytime fitness on 23rd and walker The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. And we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness' facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness and Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that.
0: Right, man. Well, like, okay. Like, Brent Venables isn't coming to you as in Nick Saban, right? He's not, he's not a he's not a Jimbo Fisher. Even. Hell, he's not a Lincoln Riley, right? I mean, he's not this cult of personality type who you turn things over to and just say, run the program. Like here's your, here's a check, do what you want. Right. And you know, you so you understand at a place, particularly like say a place like AM, right? Where they're so starved to win. And yeah. you get this kind of, uh, you know, messianic type coming over who's got a national championship, who's got, you know, kind of this championship pedigree, who's kind of been through the wars in the southeast, you know, and in, in, in the in the SEC ish, you know, SEC adjacent ish. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and, and you think, okay, you understand, like, you know, you feel like this is a guy who's going to help you win, right? I looked at venables coming in as a guy who like he has been so selective right about the about the opportunity and it's not like he hasn't had good opportunities i mean people might scoff at like auburn or whatever have you seen how much how many much talent auburn brings in how much money they're willing to pay for i mean that's not some job to like sneeze at you know i mean And, and he passed on it but he picked this one you know and he has obviously the ties to oklahoma Mm -hmm. um and so like seeing him come back was more a matter of like having somebody who's like this 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 is awesome like you know or or (laughs) like i you know like wanting to be there at that moment and you know having a you know a tangible connection to the program having you know a familiar face and you can say all that stuff is about comfortability or you know whatnot like if oh you had hired dave aranda for example mm-hmm. i would have been elated yep. don't get me wrong right but like it would have felt different venables is coming back as a guy who you know people remember a lot of good times with them uh they probably you know maybe kind of uh Shave down some of the uh you know bad times maybe <laughs> but yeah. point point being like he waited his time, and this was the moment for him, you know what I mean, and like there was mm-hmm. just something about that, like seeing him and seeing how many how excited people were to see him like it wouldn't have felt the same to me if if it, it, it would brought in some hired gun, it's just a different deal
2: yeah
1: I, I know that the whole thing the whole 48-ish hours of him landing in the in the the press conference and everything. Uh, I mean I wrote about it. It's it was a very I was very a very grateful reminder of what college football is in its at its essence. I mean when Lincoln Riley there's videos of Lincoln Riley getting off the plane, he's shaking hands of guys in suits, <laughs> yeah. Brian Kelly coming in, he's just <laughs> shaking hands with suits, you know, and Brent Brimbles comes in, and there's fans and crowds, and I mean this idea of a college football program is more than just the on the field product, obviously. Yeah. Like you even mentioned, like we're part of the program by being a fan of the program. And it seemed like, OU is still one of the last places where that fandom is allowed to, to cultivate to a certain degree. Right. I, mean, I think if, OU were a different school, it would have hired, it would have hired somebody like the hired gun would have gone through, would have said, Hey, let's just hire somebody. They make a big splash, and I, I had fears of that. And I had fears of um, some of our listeners and some of the OU fandom. They kept like talking themselves into, oh, it's going to be Dabo and Grant, and it's going to be this and that. We're going to hire this NFL coach is going to come in. Mm. It's like, like you guys are thinking about this the wrong way. OU's never operated that way. Don't yeah. you know? They're going to make the correct hire. He seems like he's the correct hire, but who knows
0: how this stuff works out? <laughs>
1: you know right, some right. Staff i mean hires i'm yeah. already pretty critical of but i'm just some guy sitting in my bedroom
0: <laughs> right exactly and you know i exactly, yeah i'm not you know but like there's also something to be said though for not hiring somebody who has been to the mountaintop it, it, yeah. you know what i mean because i mean you can't tell me venables isn't hungrier to win than hell jimbo fisher i mean yeah. i don't care how well he's recruiting or what i mean (laughs) you know i mean when you give somebody guaranteed 130 million dollars or what have you i mean what's the motivation outside of whatever it is you know i mean you got to hope that they really are a nick saban type someone who's really really driven internally and i don't know i mean but you know it it, and that the thing i think about that moment him coming off the plane though man is like think about what that must have felt like for brent venables oh like yeah. can you imagine like think about what it's like you landing at an airstrip in la and seeing you know i mean it's not just about the people there to greet them. it's about the person getting off you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like imagine how fired up you've got to feel and how like like what how gratifying that moment's got to be like that that to me was the part too where i was watching it like you know, I mean, this guy, he, he waited and waited and he passed on other opportunities and got this one and look at how excited people are to have him here. Like it's, it's a, it's just a different kind of thing, man. And like, the, it did get me fired up. Like you mentioned about, about you know, the idea of, of fans and that kind of, you know, bond with a program that there are very, very few college football teams that enjoy something like that, that OU does. yeah
1: i mean there's they had a another video that came out two days ago three days ago with some more footage you found him on the plane and he sees the stadium lit up he's flying through and he's yeah kind of says like oh man talk about memory lane you know it has to be a truly a breathtaking moment for him to know like hey i've made this trip many a time in the past went away and coming back as they had coming back and I don't think he's stepping away from this. Um, I, th- I think it's a bit of a false narrative to a certain degree, but I mean, he is kind of coming back as a savior to a certain degree to, to a lot of fan base, to a lot of the fan base, you know, thinking, right. Oh, he's going to write the ship. We're all here. We're going to do it. He's still just a head fo- He's still just a football coach. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's going to yeah. work out or it's not going to work out. Um, my hope is that when I was teasing some friends, like, man, if he keeps hiring all these OU guys, what happens if it doesn't work? right like, is this is this a scott frost situation where it's like oh we just have to keep him because he's our guy we've made such a big deal about it you know like yeah. then if it's if it's year four and he's only winning 70 percent of his games i mean he's just not going to make it i don't think uh, hopefully OU doesn't get stuck and then causes right. real damage at that point in time uh because these programs in my mind are like cruise ship liners i mean they they can kind of keep consisting sustaining off of past success for a while and you have to move before you've realized you've made the mistake like you know once the titanic gets that close to the iceberg you really can't turn
0: (laughs) right you have to be quick about it like i mean in general there's so much resetting of expectations that are going to have to go on around this program um just because i mean you know i I think that OU will handle the transition to the SEC pretty well, personally. Yeah. Um, But again, it's, it's a different, it's just a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, you know, OU's not going to step on the field, probably having the best, uh, you know, roster every time there, every week, it's just not going to be the way it is. Um, And so like judging what, success or progress looks like a i think that joe castiglione does a pretty good job has a pretty good sense of that Mm -hmm. um just based on what i've seen in the past um you know we'll see if we'll see if the fans uh you know can handle it that's the that's kind of the part that I, i wonder about if there's a certain rabidness that that change that comes with this move you know
1: i think he he'll have a a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's going to be allowed next year when he's going nine and three i think he's going to be allowed that um if year two it happens again i think we start looking longingly at some other stuff just from a fan base i, I oh not right. to, in my mind it's just not going to happen that way um but, I mean, he's so far he's done – he's acquitted himself pretty well to the job. I mean, the recruiting class is complete in shambles. He's got it to number mm-hmm. 10 at the moment yeah. with two more signings potentially coming up. Um, so, I mean, I truly punted on on this. I was like, as long as it stays around the 15 area, I'll be happy. Right. And now yeah, it seems yeah. like they may be fully within the top 10, maybe like seven or eight, or something like that, um, which as transition classes go, it's pretty much unheard of. So Very good, Yeah. Um, maybe OU is able to kind of keep it rolling to a certain degree. Um, I really did not expect Texas and A&M just to hit the jackpot with all this coaching carousel. I mean, they had so many good players just fall directly into their laps.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Maybe that helps them out. Um, A&M has been recruiting pretty well to lose four games. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Texas has historically recruited pretty well to win. Five games, so uh, (laughs) we'll have to see how that rolls out for them. But we do know that OU does need to kind of make those next steps of how it's how it's recruiting. I mean, if you just look at it on a very basic level, and I have a question. Bear with me.
0: All right,
1: (laughs) OU's got a from a very 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 basic level. If you just look at pure numbers and lay them right next to Clemson. They've been right there. OU has out recruited Clemson more than it's been out recruited by Clemson, numbers wise, you know, class wise, recruiting wise. It's just how those teams have been built. You know, OU takes three five-star wide receivers. Clemson takes two five-star defensive tackles. At the end of the day, which one really matters more? Um, do you think that type of transition? You think Brent will be able to bring that type of transition to bring? The shifting of those numbers to more of your needed areas instead of cool toys to play with
0: that's that's the big question um and you know (laughs) if i knew who oklahoma's defensive line coach is true 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 true. you know i'd have I, i think i'd probably be able to answer this a little bit better but um like i venable's you know, has just spent, you know, first of all, I mean, he saw what the great OU teams of the early 2000s yes. looked like, right? He spent 10 years, whatever, however long at, at Clemson and saw what those teams looked like. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to have an appreciation for that. Now, how do you get those guys? That's the big question, right? Yes. Because, yeah. like, what separates the, the SEC from everywhere else are, Those two interior defensive end positions. They're probably Mm -hmm. defensive tackle positions, in my opinion. You know, I mean, they just don't have those everywhere. Um, But, like, knowing that, you know, I mean, I think that that is how you'll end up seeing OU. You know, I need to go back, honestly, and look at how the scholarships have been distributed the past few years Mm -hmm. um, to get a better sense on this. I think that, you know, uh, Calvin Thibodeau and Jamar King, I felt like did a nice job of bringing in some good pieces there, you know? Um, Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: So, but, you know, I mean, it didn't feel necessarily like they had a coherent, cohesive plan for, you know, being able to win those games when you really need those big dudes up front.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so I think that, you know, Building, you know, he's also seen the value of a good quarterback too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how can you not sean Watson, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, right? So, if if he can keep that kind of like keep that as the main thing, I mean, I think he'll do pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it. it does suck to see Dindy go somewhere else. um I mean, OU legacy. You can't, in my mind, you I mean OU doesn't re- doesn't recruit those type of players very often. There's yeah. Modern day, anyway, it, it just sucks to have that kind of fall off because it was just it all lined up perfectly for you to grab him until it didn't. Obviously, I mean, you know, it struck midnight, he went off, and I had I, I held out hope once Elko went somewhere else. I was like, well, maybe, <laughs> and, and just didn't. And I don't blame him either. If I was a defensive lineman, you said play at OU or play at AM, I think you walk into AM 10 out 10 times, to be honest with you. I mean, just they're they're very. Modern day success right now, you can look at Von Miller, you can look at Miles Garrett, you can say that's going to yeah. be me. You know,
0: yeah. Oh, he doesn't to sell that, yeah.
1: Oh, you doesn't have anyone like that in the league right now that you can point to. You know, you can point to skill position players, quarterback, obviously you point to quarterback, yeah. maybe some offensive linemen, but you really can't point to. You're going to be sitting on the edge, you're going to get lost sacks, and you're going to sign two hundred million dollar contract in the NFL. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And that's just a hard tide to turn, you know. Once once something gets set, the narrative of um of something, it that's so hard to fight against the idea that, oh, OU has a bad defense. Even if OU doesn't have a bad defense, OU's gonna have to have a good defense for like four years for that <laughs> narrative yeah. to go away fully. Yeah. Uh, and it's just hard to kind of fight through that stuff. Um, oh, absolutely. And then kind of getting to the next topic, I have this written down i'm a poor interviewer so i apologize uh walking through the next part of it the wild west of nio recruiting i mean Mm -hmm. we've seen it i've seen you on being a little active on twitter today you've got texas doing weird shell charity things paying the players directly (laughs) to be charitable representatives so that those people can then get charity write-offs for their taxes (laughs) and everything like that um, and I, I agree with you. And I've seen some Texas people kind of retweet you and, you know, it's like, oh, look at the sad OU fan. <laughs> but yeah. the issue is, I think you're right. We've allowed, the idea was to open this up so things could be public and maybe a little more above board. And the only thing that's happened is that we've allowed it to be much more, we've allowed the criminal quote-unquote criminal element to be much more creative <laughs>
0: right. yeah yeah.
1: instead of just you know a mcdonald's bags now it's you're developing fake you know developing right. shell corporations to do charity events to, <laughs> to do this right. type of stuff i mean where do you see this going in a few years i mean is it just going to be just wild and crazy or does this get structured in a way
0: well here's the part i think that people aren't looking at and I think we're clearly seeing two different types of NIL deals emerging here, right? There are ones that I would call like economic NIL deals. In yes. this case, I own a business and I sign a contract with you to endorse, you know, our business, do appearances, whatever. And it is a, a business expense in the sense that I'm expecting a return on this, right? Yes. Like I have a reasonable expectation. So, you know, you see Spencer rather driving around in cars from a dealership locally. Well, Mm -hmm. everybody knows where he got the car, right? So, I mean, it's a marketing experience. I think what you're seeing, what you're also seeing though, are what I would call like inducement deals. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. I, and I, and I'm not picking on anybody who's doing this because whatever, it's your money. Yes. But there is zero chance that, for example, the horns with heart thing that Texas is doing right now with, yeah, uh, they've got $50,000, they're calling it the pancake factory or something, yes. $50,000 yeah. for blindly, right? Blindly for any offensive lineman on the team, you know, like that is, that is a recruiting inducement because you're not even trying to separate out the value of different players based on what their are mar- I mean, it is just a flat, you know, inducement to come to Texas. Now that's different. And, you know, again, this is the kind of thing that I'm sure a lot of Texas people would have been said, you know, you know, back in the day, oh, it's terrible to give these kids money or what have (laughs) you. And now, and now it's like, well, actually it's okay because, you know, they're going to make three charitable appearances every year or, you know, what have you. And on top of that, I get a tax break out of it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, like, but I think that those inducement deals. Down the line, those are going to cause a lot of problems because what you're going to end up getting is, you know, you've already got a case where these boosters have so much sway at these schools. Yeah. Well, now, I mean you're just giving them an even more like legitimate hand in the program. You know what I mean? Like, even if they're not coordinating specifically with coaches, I mean, they're going to have a big say in getting, you know, talent to come there in the long run. I'm not sure that's going to be in the best interest of all these programs. And keep in mind too, that with these inducement, you know, deals where like the charitable type thing, they're competing schools are going to be competing with donors and boosters for those dollars right yeah so you know if 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 in the past i looked at well i'm going to donate money to the school so that they can you know add on to the stadium like that money's going to school they're they're distributing now Mm -hmm. it's i'm going to put this money in this charitable fund that will get distributed to players like if you're the school, you're thinking, "Oh God, okay. Well, we actually <laughs> would rather be in control <laughs> of that money, right?" Yes. yes. So, like, I, and the schools they write their own rules. So, you know, as the NCAA, so I could see there being some type of pushback against that, and and some, you know, some way that the schools try to um, get a, get a better handle on that. That's a long-winded yeah. explanation, but that's the way I see it going.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's even just because you're talking about boosters we'll, we'll just we'll just keep picking on texas texas, <laughs> texas has never had a talent issue obviously right. maybe maybe they've misidentified talent maybe they've, you know not developed talent correctly they've never lacked for they were the 11th most talented team this year you know mm-hmm. OU was six so I mean, like, yeah. they had the they had the ability to win games they just didn't and then it's like, well, they just need different types of talent. They need different types of things. It always it always falls back on that part of it of we just need to be more talented. And to a certain degree of college football, like you said, it's about kicking ass, about yeah. having the best guys out there and doing it. So there is some credence to that argument. But they've never had their issues. Never been that. Their issues been right. organizational structure from the inside, and then all the outside factors that invisibly have their strings attached, pulling everything. I mean, if you. Mm-hmm. If reports are even, and these, all all the reports come out of Texas because it's just, it's fun to be a buzzard flying around the corpse. Uh-huh. It's great. But they always have something in there. I mean, if Stark is really getting pressured by boosters to start card, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know yeah. how true that is. I don't know if a booster walked in there and put his foot on a, on a desk and said, you've got, I mean, Maybe an email happened, and then someone yeah. had to respond to that email. The you know, thing is, you have to you have to manage all those expectations and manage all those personalities. But even beyond that, now you have people who are potentially not in your booster network. And I don't know Ewers' nil deal with the Texas companies yeah, I and don't stuff. Know. Yeah. But apparently, if this is to be true, and I didn't follow up, and I should have followed up a little bit more, his upcoming in a, his in a million dollar nil deal did have specifications on games started right <laughs> and he's like yeah. well I, I can't do it at ohio state i have yeah. to go to texas so did he get a promise out of sark saying you will start these games because if you don't i'm costing you a million dollar yeah <laughs> exactly. Know, then all of a sudden you're there's way more interest in the football program that has nothing to do with football you're having to deal with that i think schools like texas schools like i'm gonna pick on auburn because i just had an interview from auburn guys <laughs> teams like auburn i mean where you have yeah. fractured booster bases that just want to rip you apart because they want to be the reason why the school's succeeding it's n- ejecting money into that as just pouring gas directly onto the carburetor i mean it's it's yeah. not going to work out the way these schools or fans think it's going to work out in my mind honestly yeah. Schools should just pay the players and be done with it. That's the easiest way. In in my opinion, maybe maybe that is too politically upsetting for Mm. people who would vote on this stuff. Treat them like employees, pay them, and then go their way. And that that presents a lot of other can of worms that could open, but it's a little more, like you said, potentially safe at that point in time, in my opinion.
0: Well, here's the thing. Like I said, an offensive lineman... Doesn't have, I mean, the market, the marketability value an offensive yes. lineman yeah. is tiny, and the idea that it's worth fifty thousand dollars to me is just ridiculous, right? But, but, that lineman does have fifty thousand dollars of economic value in the sense that a booster would pay fifty thousand dollars to bring him to the school, right? Yes. To play on, yeah. to play on a winning team. Like, so you're, when you divorce, like the different economic activities here, that's when you start getting into, into all these problems, because, you know, the bribes that go to these kids are to bring them into the football program. They're not for their marketability. And so, you know, at that point they become there, it's more of an employee relationship. That's just how, that's just how it is. So treat it that way.
1: Yeah, they're getting sign-on bonuses, retention bonuses. I mean, it's, it's right. very little. It It is a free market. I will say that. It is a free market. Obviously, people are spending money how they want to. It's not, as you said, a market economy, though. I mean, there's not a direct yeah. correlation between what you're paying versus what you're getting. And I was trying to argue with somebody about this or try to in, debate mm-hmm. with them a little bit as like, this is not healthy right. for this market because people are paying way so much money for nothing right and maybe that's also a bit of um um i'm also long-winded there's a website i follow a lot called UniWatch, the obsessive uh uh study of the aesthetics of the, of, of uh, athletics so they break yeah, down like yeah. uniforms and right. stuff like that and he had a really long article one day about the idea of a market economy versus a market society and how we have branched ourselves into more of a market society now market economy is goods goods for money services for money but now we as people are the goods not necessarily what you produce but you as a person are the goods or like we're very much into like a meme economy of nfts and digital money and who knows any of this means just people have assigned wealth to it but there's no goods to it. There's no services to it. So I see this as more of getting away from market economy and becoming more and more and more into market society because you're right. These players are just being bought and sold mm-hmm. at all. And nothing to do with their ability, nothing to do with <laughs> you know, their advertising ability, their marketing value. They're just purely them themselves are being bought and sold with the hope they may be good. And it's right. purely like stock market betting at this point in time. Um, I think a lot of people are going are going to come up bust.
0: Yeah. When it comes well, to this stuff. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, again, to go back to the horns with heart thing. I mean, if you're paying fifty thousand dollars for something that you know, how do you even start to determine like a good market comp for that? How, what's the IRS going to say i mean i don't know it's just it, it, the whole thing but but there'll be deals like that everywhere you know what i mean and this will be i'm assuming something that gets you know adopted in other states and other places mm-hmm. too so yeah, yeah but but you're right i mean it's you know there's a difference between paying somebody a wage and all that that entails and giving them an inducement you know what i mean yes. like yeah it's just it's two separate two separate things
1: yeah and i want to be very clear for the listeners everything uh the the players 100 should be paid yeah. <laughs> the, amount yeah, of, absolutely. the amount of the amount of value they bring to these programs is completely outsized of the amount of uh, uh whatever i'm trying to say they they receive i do mm. hear a lot of stuff like well if you really look at how much the semesters cost and look at the books yeah. cost in the tutoring fee i'm like well if you if you think that's true then look at the classes these guys are being funneled into i mean right. they're not getting that part or of it back either. It's, <laughs> it's
0: it's odd that every player isn't dying to go to stanford you know what i mean where yeah tuition is you know so much higher yeah no yeah. i'm with you i'm with you so, I mean, yeah it, it, there's
1: there's there's a there's a lot of really easy way to poke holes in this argument that they kind of hear on both sides of this but it's the narrative of what this stuff is i mean gene Chiswick was on twitter yesterday I yeah think trying to say something very stupid
0: uh, you know of but, all people him to, uh, anyway you know,
1: yes yeah 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 i mean he's I mean, if you know i mean he paid three times that much for a single <laughs> player himself yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, it ha- it's college football i mean people yeah. who are and maybe i'm just having a hard time coming to terms with the idea of this being so messy because to me it didn't seem so messy in the beginning Even when it was bag man and dropping Mm -hmm. stuff off, and it didn't seem so messy though. It's like here's a five-star guy. Of course you pay a five-star guy to come to your school. But now it's every single offensive lineman, they all get fifty thousand dollars. Well, what if one of them's um uh oh I cannot remember the OU tackle who plays for San Francisco right now? Oh, Trent Williams. Well, if it's Trent Williams,
0: yeah. He's
1: worth a lot more than fifty (laughs) thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you're
1: paying him 50 grand and it's you then are limiting their ability based to earn money based on their you know it, it gets really weird very quickly
0: and here's another question i have like there are also going to be a lot of kids out there who will say i'd really rather not go through the hassle of signing a bunch of paperwork and you know having these promotional appearances why don't you just drop 50 grand in cash in an amazon locker <laughs> you yes. know I'll, I'll be there man like yeah. you know what i mean like we don't even need to worry about this man you know it'd be like you know tax free so that that's not going to go away like
1: no and honestly i mean there was a so southeastern oklahoma uh we if you go to oklahoma right now there's a weed store in every single corner i mean it's all over the place down here um but that doesn't keep people from buying it illegally right (laughs) yeah all over the place people are still selling it they're still buying it I mean, if you come to South Dakota, Oklahoma, I mean, you can find a weed dealer like just by walking out the door. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. It, it's yes. it's just as available as it is free. It's still available just as much, if not more, illegally. So it's <laughs> the idea that this way is going to keep things clean and keep things above the board is childish as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So I think we've fully covered. I think we've solved all the issues of modern day recruiting <laughs> and, and, and money into it. Uh, the, the next part of this, I just said extra stuff. Um, I, I want, if you can, and I know it's hard because I hate doing this too. I hate the idea of like trying to look into the future and like muse on what's going to happen. The thing I keep writing about is that I expect my external expectation of a Brett Venables led football team is that the team is going to be a quote unquote, tougher team, just generally across the board. I mean, do you think that's, even a realistic expectation to have for, for OU.
0: Yeah. I'm, I think so. Like I always try to um, set some caveats here because like, you know, I'm not with the team every day, so I don't yeah. know what they're doing. I don't yeah. know what training looks like. You know what I mean? Um, And that, that always feels like first, you know, people are always kind of looking for like, Oh, it's the strength coach's fault. Uh, I, I, man, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not straight through the test word. I do feel like if you, I mean, if you look at it, that OU's players, I mean, there probably was something to the idea that they weren't uh, as physical or as tough. I mean, <laughs> just watch the games, Yes, you know? Um, So stuff like that and, and the, the kind of dirty work of stuff, you know, like, Tackling, <laughs> which, you know, I, it, there were, you know, it seems like there have been issues for OU for I don't know how how long. Um, <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, and on top of that, if you know, for example, like let's say that Venables establishes a stronger presence in a place like Florida, like or Louisiana, like listen, man, I don't know if you've ever been to high school games in places like that, but like man the fields the mm-hmm. the the style of player out there man i mean it's just a different thing from you know allen texas or yeah. anywhere you know i mean it's just it's a it's definitely a grittier uh you know just kind of environment um so i mean i i do think that that expectation i, I i'd like to see that sure and you know i mean you'd like the you I'd like to not see oh, OU just getting walloped in the trenches when they play Alabama and Louisiana State, you know what I mean? Like yeah. That that part of it you just once you're if you're getting just absolutely dominated there, like there's not much you can do. Just Yeah. I mean go. even
1: when the games were OU's winning um against like West Virginia or against Baylor, Iowa State, in the games they lose, I always start watching that game and think, "Oh well, West Virginia is trying to murder
0: yeah, <laughs> every single exactly. wide receiver
1: OU has. And OU just doesn't do that. Right. And OU has the guys. They can withstand it and you know, kind of grind them out usually. But then they just have just so many heat-seeking missiles, it seems. It's like, man, yeah. what, what, what is it about that program to OU's program? And why is that not being replicated over? Is it – because you're right. I, I drive US-75 to get down to Metroplex a Mm -hmm. lot and i drive right next to the allen stadium it is a college (laughs) football stadium (laughs) it is insane i mean they had a i think a bowl game there last year college football bowl game was in a high school stadium (laughs) it is amazing but there is a grittiness to it there is a a hard scrabbleness about it that is missing and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know the ou message boards be like we need to get more oklahoma players that you know, their hearts are in it more and and stuff like that. And maybe there is a slight intangible of these people have been places and they don't want to go back to those places Yeah, (laughs) type type of mentality there that isn't kind of seen in some of where OU is. Um, I think, I I believe this is you. So if I'm, if I'm misattributing this, uh, please let me know. It was a, a Twitter conversation at one point in time where we, you were kind of mentioning, you're kind of going back and forth, I think, with Ian Boyd just about the idea of Texas recruiting. And it was more of Texas high school recruits, once they get to Texas, that is the goal mm. versus like an OU or an LSU. The goal is to go beyond that.
0: <laughs> you know, right.
1: So there, there was kind of like, once they get to Texas, oh, we've, we're at the mountaintop now instead right. of this is supposed to propel you somewhere else. So I'm hoping OU can start bringing more people in that have that type of attitude because i don't think a coach can just ins- you don't instill toughness to somebody they right. just have it or yeah. they don't have it it's right types and, the type of players you recruit
0: yeah and you know i mean i think that i mean i don't know i there's there's always you know uh, ebbs and flows with this kind of stuff i mean because you know it feels to me like bob stoops maybe was relying a little bit too much on oh we'll, we'll get who we get and these yeah the we we'll coach them up yeah and it's kind of like come on man like you know i mean I, but you know i mean then again the other side of that though i mean when your program just becomes we are going to try to nab as many, you know, five stars as we can get without necessarily a plan for what we're going to do with them, mm-hmm. or you know, that's that also doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there, just a, a a more cohesive vision of what a team should look like and how to build a team. I think that's what is you know I, my hope for uh, Brent Benables.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I think Lincoln did have much more of a college basketball coach perspective. Just mm-hmm. talent in, talent out. We'll figure it yeah. out. I mean, yeah. like what Duke does, is like, we'll take the top five, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, we'll figure it out with these guys because you just need two of them to hit, you know? Right. And college football is much, much different. I mean, that, that's the one thing I'm very excited about from a Brent-led team is he's seeing how Clemson's recruited. And again, regionally, Clemson is a much different area than Oklahoma is, but you've seen where they've recruited. And like I said, they've had very similar, we'll use the BCR mm-hmm. levels as OU. I think they actually both have 66% before mm-hmm. this next recruiting class. And if you just look at it and say, well, these, these, I can't tell the picture. I can't tell the difference between these pictures, right. <laughs> Yeah. but yeah. you know that they go to the grocery store looking for a very specific thing. We need this. We need that. We need this. And it seemed like Lincoln Riley was – he was treating it like when I go to Sam's. I just walk around and say, oh, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Oh, it's on sale. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. let's go ahead and do it. (laughs) And when I get home, I'll figure it out. Instead of just plans in place, we need this, we need that, we need this. I'm hoping, like you said, Brent's able to bring maybe just a little more structure – to the program wholesale
0: well and i and i can tell you that the people i talk to you know kind of behind the scenes who study this stuff in terms of body types and Mm -hmm. you know who you're like i mean there's they're saying ou's roster is not ready for the sec no they 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 just say flat out these players physically aren't where they need to be and my hope is that I I, I've got to assume that Venables understands that and is planning for that. That's, you know, if, even if, if the guy's only winning like nine games a year, it's, or seven games a year, even if he can get a roster built, you know, toward the next guy maybe comes along and can Mm -hmm. take it. That's, that's also a win in my book. So.
1: Yeah, true. I mean, you're right there. I mean, OU not having a single defensive lineman over 300 pounds is Rough. Even yeah. in the Big 12, it was rough. Yeah. And I think his first three offers were to high school players who are already over 300 pounds. So yeah. you can tell there's an immediate, he understands the assignment of what this is going to take. And, you know, as an OU fan, I keep seeing, I'm like, hey, AM walked in, kicked ass. Missouri walked yeah. in and kicked ass. OU's going to walk in and kick ass. I mean, that's what's in my brain. But at the same time, can they sustain? Yeah that obviously A&M fell off that mountaintop to a certain degree, and they're having now do the hard work of getting back to it. Because a lot of that is they're not used to playing you. They're not used to playing your scheme. They're not used to Mm -hmm. doing that stuff. Uh, Same thing for Missouri. They were playing a scheme those teams (laughs) had not ran into, (laughs) and they just shell shocked everybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: now they've gotten figured out, and now it becomes – you're having to play the same game everyone else is. You, You have to be extremely talented everywhere
2: you know, and that's going to take yeah.
1: a long time. Um, well, I mean, we've meandered all across. I, I appreciate you stopping <laughs> in <laughs> and, yeah. and kind of talking to me. I mean, I like it when it's like this, this is how I'm trying to get the get more of our podcast to be more conversational. I very much so enjoy that instead of here's my question. Now you answer it. Yeah. People can go watch press conferences. That type <laughs> of content. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I like it when it's a little more back and forth in that way, but, uh, um, yeah. Plug what you've got, tell people where to find you, what, uh, what you oh, expect man. from them how they get, yeah. get in touch with
0: you <laughs> yeah. yeah man no i mean uh you know like uh like i mentioned before i've been writing a lot for um crimson cream machine um you know trying to get at least you know one kind of longer think piece type thing up you know a week um and uh you know occasionally podcasting podcasting uh you know i've hard to kind of stand out you know what i mean so i you know i'm i'm with you in the sense that you know experimenting with the formats is always good uh you can also find me on twitter at blatant homerism um and that's you know those are probably the yeah probably the best ways to uh, get in touch with me and i apologize if i meander too much myself you know i have a tendency to do that Uh, i i think i I communicate better writing than i do talking but uh yeah i appreciate (laughs) the opportunity to come on man.
1: Hey, no problem. Uh, I mean, I, I believe you're a subscriber to our Patreon as well. Mm-hmm. I see your yeah. name pop up. Very, a very, very, very uh, I think chuffed. I think that's the right way of saying that. been watching my <laughs> Great British Bake Off. Very pleased. <laughs> <laughs> very pleased about that. Uh, and I have Brady who I have him edit my, the stuff mm-hmm. I post and everything. So we're trying to keep him involved, you know, down on the down low. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Don't tell, don't tell <laughs> you. Uh, <Yeah. laughs> but I've always told him, I was like, well, I struggle with the writing because I write how I talk. So there's a lot of I feel There's you. A new a new thought has entered my brain as I'm writing it. And it's like, you know what? Just go ahead and get it out. New sentence, start the new thought. Or they do the little brackets or the commas or the dashes. I'm like side note here, side note there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe people enjoy it. And uh for for the fans, I mean, Alan did DM me completely unprompted, saying he, he appreciated what I was doing for the <laughs> podcast. And it made me actually feel pretty house, like I was Screenshot it sent to Brady. I was like, "Check this out. That's super cool."
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, a no, nah, man. Yeah. And no, like, "You never man. sent
1: that to me." <laughs> so I was able to hold that over his head. Um, but again, I appreciate you coming on here. We've got a lot of off-season stuff to kind of fill throughout the time. Um, obviously, we've we've seen a, a pretty good amount of growth with coach, coaching changes and recruiting, and we have spring game. That's going to happen. Yeah. A bowl game that's going to happen. So we've seen some some influx of stuff, but. I'm trying to do more interviews like this to kind of get us through the doldrums after the spring game and everything. So maybe we can have you on again, talk about some other stuff, or I can have some other people on. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to handle this uh, uh, and do this kind of I mean, basically unprompted. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very happy about this. I'm just some guy from Oklahoma, Southeastern Oklahoma. Uh, man, but it you're, is you're kind of strange. Boat, <laughs> it is kind of strange. The amount of people, if you just say, "Hey, I have a podcast where you want to get on," almost always they say yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. Never hurts. Uh, I've had a lot of, uh, I've, I've definitely, uh, you know, kind of punched above my weight class in that regard. But, you know, just keep asking, man. They'll, I will, you'll I, get more yeses uh, than you expect.
1: I will. I will put this one on you real fast. because this one that's. I'm. I'm maybe the only fan, of his in my area in my region. Uh, And then we'll, then I'll let you go. How did you get Bomani Jones to start doing a red river yearly podcast with you? I for one think he's great. There's times Mm -hmm. he's too smart for himself, but (laughs) uh, I think he's great. He knows how to poke people just the right way. And he has a very unique relationship. Oh, you with his mother being there and doing the civil rights movement at the college itself, but he's a big fish that you just have, you know, on speed dial when it comes to the red river
0: game yeah, man no yeah uh, <laughs> nah, man i i uh am, does, is very gracious of Bo to come on man i uh you know i've been back and forth and he did a uh, show called the morning jones way back mm-hmm. when um on the score it was a station based out of canada and it was on uh sirius xm and i'll tell you what man like that was uh, like the number of people you know who like kind of just coalesced around that show uh you know it was it was crazy it was just a a different kind of thing man like it was it was great and so you know i would hit him up and you know he was he was actually a lot more kind of pro texas anti-iou type thing back then and Mm -hmm. um but you know i had him on you know I'd, i'd ask him to come on my podcast just to talk more about like you know, I wanted to hear his thoughts on the NCAA or, you know, different stuff like that. And and eventually, you know, I just thought we should do this, you know, like a No you Texas thing. And it's become an annual thing to the point where like this year, man, I was, uh, I was all tied up and it kind of almost just like almost slipped under my radar. And he hits me up like, you know, Wednesday, Oh, you Texas week. He's like, man, are we going to do this or what? Like we can't not do this. I was like, you know, so and got him on and we even got to talk a little bit about his new show and everything because they were announcing mm-hmm. that day. So yeah, it was a good time, man.
1: Yeah, I know I listened to that pod. I listened to the episode and he's like, Man, you're you're trying to big time me.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, man. He's he's a great dude and uh one of the smartest guys out there. Uh, uh, I'm I've been a big fan of his for a long time now.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Well, with that, uh, I'll get you out of here. And for uh, everyone listening, this is a—I uh, believe it'll be a public. It'll be either a public or a Patreon. Either you're listening to me for free, or you've paid me uh, four dollars <laughs> to listen to it. So thank you. Continue to do that. Uh, you can also read everything I write on the uh, through the Keyhole Patreon for a dollar. We have a tier that just gets you all the written content. It's me and Keegan for four dollars. You get the Patreon uh, podcast, and for five dollars, you get the video reviews. Um, I would actually suggest I mean, if you're paying four just pay five <laughs> the, the video stuff makes sense if you want to try to see maybe why something's happening to a certain degree keegan does a pretty good job breaking that stuff down um i myself like being a big dumb fan sometimes it's <laughs> <I'm just> like <laughs> i just want to say just run the ball more <laughs> throw the slant <laughs> um but uh, thank you guys uh for taking on this and thanks uh, again um Alan Kenley at at homerism for joining in i appreciate it and um you know uh, to all the future success, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. Let it <laughs>